So we have a little bit of a problem in the English language when it comes to the word that we hear so often, especially today, in St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians, in that great crescendo of the readings we've been hearing the last couple of weeks, when we get to that wonderful chapter on love. And the thing is, when it comes to love in English, it doesn't completely cut it as a word. It's not super clear. And what do I mean by that? Well, I can tell you, and I hope for those of you who know me better that it's kind of obvious, I love my mother. But at the same time, I can tell you that last night, I really loved the pizza that I had for dinner. Now, I think it's probably obvious that that's a little bit different between the two, and yet, we use the same word all over the place, right? For all sorts of different things that we love. And in English, it's kind of hard to separate those out. Of course, we can say like and things like that, but we do use the word love an awful lot. And this morning, especially as we get that beautiful reading from Corinthians, it's a good opportunity to take a little bit of time to reflect on the different types of love. And we're going to look at that, especially the way that Greek breaks it down, and with the help of one of my favorite authors of all time, C.S. Lewis, mainly kind of referencing his book called The Four Loves. And he talks about all four of these in different chapters and how all of them do apply in our life. So the first one in Greek is called storge, or affection, right? And we all have this for various different things. Affections in our life. Like I have an affection for the pizza that I had last night. I really enjoy listening to music by the Beatles. You know, you have some affection that comes up. It's not a bad thing. I mean, it's, we're going to have that for all sorts of different things in our lives. The trouble is, is you can't let those loves be the most important of all things. If all of a sudden I become like so just obsessed with that affection, let's say for the Beatles, and that's all I'll talk about and all I'm paying attention to, well, that becomes a problem. C.S. Lewis says when one of those loves becomes a god, that god is immediately a demon. Those affections are good and they, they attract us to a lot of different things, but that's not where our fulfillment is found. The next love that he talks about is filio or friendship love. Now, that's when you have friends, people coming together focused on a particular shared love, a shared goal, a shared just something that they all have affection for. Say a lot of us get together, we enjoy listening to the Beatles music. The reason I keep referencing them today, by the way, just as an aside, is because like the very last thing that they ever sang on Abbey Road was, and in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. So that's been running through my head for the whole week. So I keep referencing the Beatles. I don't even listen to them that much anymore anyway. But you can kind of see the point. Like if we had a friendship because we all liked the same thing, that's filio love. People coming together, focusing on this other aspect. The other place you've probably heard filio before is it's in the name of a big city in the United States. Philadelphia. It literally means love of brothers, the city of brotherly love. They don't always live it out, but that's part of the name of this friendship love amongst brothers, this friendship of being focused on something outside of themselves. Now, the next love is more focused on the two. The love is called eros. It's an important love that brings people together, men and women coming together, loving one another. That's what draws spouses together, and it's out of that eros that new life 
comes about. We get the word erotic from that. It brings men and women together. And what C.S. Lewis says about eros is it's that type of love that will make you, you know, like he compares falling in love like diving into a pool, all right? You, know, you need eros to help you to dive in, but you need something more to keep you swimming. It's not just that first initial falling in love that keeps you going. Plus, you can't always rely on eros. When that starts to fade, it doesn't help to climb back out of the pool and just go jump into another one, and then another one, and then another one. You're not going to find fulfillment in that. It's an important thing. It's good. And yet, it's not the ultimate of loves. That's where we go to St. Paul. That's where C.S. Lewis kind of helps us here too, is seeing that greatest of all loves. In Greek, it's called agape. In Latin, caritas. The best we can do in English, really, is to say charity. That type of love that's more than just affection, that's more than just friendship, that's more than just eros. That love that ultimately, really, is divine. It's a gift from God. It's one of the three theological virtues. And you remember during Advent, we talked about the cardinal virtues, right? The natural virtues of justice, prudence, temperance, fortitude. All of those that we can kind of keep working at, keep building up the habit. It's like exercise. You can get better and better. When it comes to the theological virtues of faith and hope, and the one we're on today, love, they're gifts from God. This is something bigger than just what we can do for ourselves. This is a supernatural outpouring, a divine gift from the one who shows us truly what it means. The definition of the catechism from paragraph 1822 is this. Charity is the theological virtue by which we love God above all things for his own sake and our neighbor as ourselves for the love of God. You notice this, for his own sake. When you get to charity, when you get to agape, no longer is it about this sort of, what am I getting out of it? I mean, when it's affection, I mean, there's something that you're enjoying from this. You know, I like the pizza. It fills me up. But I'll be honest with you, even though I've mentioned it several times, I'm not thinking about it anymore. I'm not hungry anymore. You know, it kind of goes away. I got something out of it. It was wonderful. I don't think the pizza feels abused because I ate it. You know, it's a good thing. You have this affection but that's the end of it. You move on. Filio, that friendship, yes, we're looking out, but there's something of we all are kind of getting something out of this relationship. Same thing with Eros, where, you know, this, this coming together of, you know, focusing on the two. But when it comes to agape, as St. Thomas Aquinas put it, it's loving the other as other. Willing the good of the other as other. Wanting their good. Wanting things to go well for them, wanting just their good ultimately. And that's what we're called to. That is the greatest of spiritual gifts that St. Paul is calling us to in that beautiful letter to the Corinthians. That which ultimately makes us fulfilled, happy, and to find that true and lasting peace. And as I said, it is a divine gift. And to see the ultimate fulfillment of it is the image of our Lord on the cross who laid down His whole life for us, gave us His absolute all. He showed us what that looked like. And the thing is, if you take that beautiful litany that we all know well, if you've ever been to a wedding, you've heard this read so many times. But when you see the way that St. Paul paints this picture of what love is, 
you know, we hear that love is patient. It's kind. Love is not jealous. It's not pompous. Love is not inflated. It is not rude. You can take out the word love and put in the name Jesus Christ and it fits. He's the perfect image of it. Jesus Christ is patient. Jesus Christ is kind. He's not jealous. He's not pompous. He's not inflated. He's not rude. Now, here comes the true test. Can you take out the word love and put in your own name? Talk about a really good examination of conscience. Are you living this out? John Eckert is patient. John Eckert is kind. He's not jealous. He's not pompous. I wish, you know, I wish that was the case, but it's not true. I wish it were, and I pray that more and more I can live that out. But at the same time, to live it to the fullest is what we're called to do, and we need God's help for that every day. And therein lies the greatest of gifts. Those which do not fall away. The more that we can enter into that love, ultimately, my brothers and sisters in Christ, the happier we'll be. Now granted, we know that to love is not an easy thing. When you look at all of these things, I mean, being patient, being kind, not seeking our own interests, not being quick-tempered, all of them involve a risk for us. If you have to be patient, it means that there are going to be some things out there that cause you to have to be patient. To enter into love is a risk. It's not an easy thing to do. But as C.S. Lewis points out, the alternative is not good. He says this in one of my favorite quotes of all time. To love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything, and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping your heart intact, you must give it to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock up your heart safe in the casket or coffin of your own selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The alternative to tragedy, or at least to the risk of tragedy, is damnation. The only place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers and perturbations of love is hell. And that's the thing. To look at all of this, to know that ultimately our Lord is calling us to the greatest gifts. He's calling us to this agape, this charity, this self-sacrificing love. In fact, today, I'm going to use Eucharistic Prayer 3 because I think it gives us this beautiful example of our Lord's love because just before the words of consecration, it says, on the night He was betrayed. Remember that. The apostles who were with him for three years for his public ministry, his closest friends who have seen him feed thousands, have seen him cure the blind and the deaf, have literally seen him raise people from the dead and spent all of this time with him, they sell him out. They betray him. And what's our Lord's response? He gives us the Eucharist. He dies for us. He lays down his life. And ultimately, my brothers and sisters in Christ were called to imitate that. We're called to take the gifts we've been given and to have them animated by that love. Why? Because as St. Paul said, prophecy and wisdom and knowledge and all of these things, they have their place, but they will pass away. That love of Christ, that is what will never go away. It is that that will never fail. It's that greatest of spiritual gifts that our Lord 
wants us to partake, wants us to have every day of our lives. And as Jesus says in the Gospel today, today these words are fulfilled in your hearing. Today is the day that we're called to live out that love, to live out that charity, that agape, to imitate Him in that self-sacrifice, to be patient, to be kind. Why? Because it's ultimately in living that out that we find true and lasting happiness. As St. Augustine says, love is itself the fulfillment of all our works. There is the goal. That is why we run. We run toward it. And once we reach it, in it, we shall find rest. My brothers and sisters in Christ, may we strive towards those greatest of all spiritual gifts because ultimately that gift of love is that which will never fail. Praise be Jesus Christ.